Carson. Eric, how's it going? I am well. I am well, sir. Great. Nice to meet you. Matt? Eric, how you doing? How is going? It's, uh, it's going. We have our first event next week. Excited to have you all out in, uh, in a few weeks. Well, hey, we're excited to be there. It's going to be fun. That's right. I'll make sure to have a cow in, in the shoot for you. There you go. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I'll never forget that day. <laughs> so it was it was LG and uh, Eric. I think you were going through LG, right? I was in LG. Yeah, I was in that class. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they they had the Agriculture Day, and they and I think Anita was one of the deans. She was and, the dean. Uh, one of and uh, she so they she brought him out to the farm just to kind of see what a cattle farm is, and so he. We actually had brought up some of the cattle in the in the shoots and kind of bringing them through. Then I go and you know again you're checking to see if they're pregnant or you're castrating or you're giving the shots. And I'm kind of back there by one of the cows, and, and sure enough, it lets loose on on me. And I'm like, yep, that's all part of the deal. <laughs> awesome. We had cowboy Matt to the rescue. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yes. So if you just like slap your hand down. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see who shakes your hand afterwards who's really you know right <laughs> okay hey, we, we were in the midst we were in the midst of an authentic there you go you know, uh ranch hand there <laughs> <laughs> more like city slickers yeah <laughs> <Remember> that movie <laughs> oh yeah a lot Cur- of curly was in the back just laughing at me it's memorable though a lot of people never forget that Heck yeah. yeah. It's awesome watching someone get pooped on. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, it's, just, it's the reality of the work and it's the stuff you don't, oh, yeah. about, you know, just like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Eric, thanks for being here with us. Uh, we're looking forward to the conversation. And um, so this is the Grit Growth Podcast. We're just here to talk about basically uh, tenacity, work ethic and perseverance and and where it can get you um, lens of entrepreneurship for this first season, um, primarily and specifically. So with that being said, do you want to just kick it off with kind of a little bit of background about who you are and what you do and see where the conversation goes from there? All right. Well, thank you, Carson. Thank you, Matt. Eric Godet, uh, President and CEO of the Great Gainesville Chamber of Commerce. Truly have an honor to do that. Uh, a little bit about me. Grew up in the Bahamas. Came over here in high school up in Tennessee. From there, went and spent a couple of years up at Morehouse thought I was going to go over to Europe. I got me a scholarship at the Basilica Theologica Italia in Rome, Italy, man. I was all set, ready to go. And my dad's like, it's not going to happen. It's not happening. Shut it down. And it was one of those things I was disappointed because my sister was over in London, man, living the life, catching the train, going to different countries every weekend, telling me what's going on. I was ready to enjoy some of that. For me, my background is one where I was a kid. I always thought I was going to be a priest. So I love the study of theology and that kind of stuff. And um, even though I knew I wasn't going to be a priest and telling me what's going on, I was ready to enjoy some of that. And um, for me, my background is one where I was a kid. I always thought I was going to be a priest. And um, so I love the study of theology and that kind of stuff. And um, even though I knew I wasn't going to be a priest at that point, because I already met my wife, we were teenagers, and I told him I'm not going to make a good priest. I'm just like, <laughs> he just got the biggest kick out of that. He said, well, you know, all those priests and monks do all that stuff over there at St. Andrews, I mean, uh, St. Leo's, right outside of Tampa. And you yep. can go finish up all your coursework and stuff there. And that's what I did. From there, I graduated, got an incredible job. It was a great story at IBM, doing revenue expense billing adjustments in their finance department. Um, I thought I was exactly going to what you studied. Here. Exactly what you studied. I, I know, you know, just I thought I was going to be teaching, you know, I mean, with the biology <laughs> and theology, I, you know, I figure I better look for some high school now and coach some sports. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's funny because I was at that job fair thing with my roommate who was a finance major. And uh, I ended up getting the finance job. And I'm just standing on the side waiting and one of these recruiters who came in just asked to see my transcript. He had gone out on a smoking break and came in. We just started a conversation and he goes, you know, we're looking for a cultural fit. It's the first time I ever heard that term, you know, with your transcript, I see all the math and physics and chemistry and biology. Oh, we could definitely teach you what we need to teach you. And we're just making sure that, you know, you'd fit in our culture. And uh, I said, well, you know, my roommate, you know, he's a finance guy and he goes, Oh, we don't hire those guys. We hire folks. They come in thinking they know everything. We hire folks who we teach and then they do it our way at IBM. I'm like, okay. And I did it their way. 
Nice. So, you know, pretty fortuitous in terms of following your vision, your your plan, and your passion, what things will open up for you. And so I was there at IBM for several years, and I left to go to grad school because it was wonderful. They paid well. It's a great job, but I could not see myself counting other people's money the rest of my life. That just, you know, just didn't do it for I you. wouldn't been fired up about that. There was this whole new thing happening out there called biotech and different things and all that stuff. And so I applied to one of the first programs was out there. It's in um, Pennsylvania. It's at Hahnemann downtown Philadelphia. It was a uh, Hahnemann's medical college and they did a lot of graduate research and it was incredible. Got accepted in the program. I was there. I think after the first semester, I already got an offer from Johnson and Johnson and uh, to work with their pharmaceutical research Institute. After I finished, I was at J and J. And at the same time, I had found out that my wife wanted to be a dentist. I did not know that while we we're in undergrad and everything, she was studying marketing. And I thought that's what she wanted to do. And uh, but we when we were up there, I got this album, photo album sent to me from her grandmother. And it had she had a photo album of all the kids. One, it started out, you know, baby pictures, all that stuff. And it was one It had a newspaper article. She was like five years old and she was modeling like this Easter dress. And they, you know, the uh, interviewer or the front said um, the journalist like, oh, do you want to be a model when you grow up? And she says, no, I want to be a dentist. She's like five. Like, who knows they want to be a dentist at five? You know, it's the craziest thing. Talk about follow through. So, yeah. And I was just laughing because my dad's a dentist. People have been trying to get me in that field and they couldn't pay me enough. Uh, the only oral cavity I'm interested in was my own. Right. <laughs> like, I, you know, just shoot me now if you're telling me that career. I'll go back to counting other people's money. You know, it's kind of like, no, 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 no. And so I said, hey, honey, I didn't know you wanted to be a you wanted to be a dentist when you were a little girl. She said, I still want to be a dentist. I'm like, what? So why did you go and study all this marketing? And she's saying she just didn't have the confidence and didn't have that. I'm saying you didn't even try. And so um, we're in Pennsylvania. She uh, took all of her prerequisite classes. I think it was at Bryn Mawr, that kind of thing. Did all that stuff, applied and got in everywhere. Penn, Temple, game. They had like four in the city of Philly. I think we only had one in the whole state of Florida at the time. It was crazy. But we were so excited, you know, when that... UF came through, baby. We knew we were heading to Florida because we were behaving, sitting up there freezing in Pennsylvania. Thaw <laughs> out now, you know. It's like so. She got accepted into Florida dentistry. Yeah, she got in everywhere. Okay. I mean, I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, and <laughs> she didn't even try before then. You know, just yeah, it was incredible. So yeah, and that's how we got down here. Awesome, cool. awesome. And you never left. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> So, so where did it take? So she's in dental school. Where did it take yeah. you? Where'd that leave you? So she got into dental school and I'm at J&J and they're thinking I'm going to a competitor. And I tell them, look, name one and I'll be there. Uh, we didn't have anyone around there. They said, what are you going to do? And my dad was the same way. What are you going to do? You're not going to leave that good job. Because I was his answer when I left IBM to go to grad school. And then once J&J made me the offer, he's like, oh, okay, I guess you know what you're doing. Now I'm leaving J&J. This is just unheard of in his day and age, you know, yeah. the companies that stayed there just like, yeah, you know what was going on with this crazy kid of his. And um, I said, well, I guess I'm going to have to work at Shands, you know, because I don't know of anything else down there. That's it. You know, I'm going to have to work for the healthcare. I put in my application and applied. And when I came down, I had two offers from the Department of Orthopedics, Dr. Betty, and then one was education and procurement coordinator, a specialist in the job is to train the residents how to recover organs and tissues for transplant. And a lot of that had to do with the research I did up at uh, Hahnemann with the stimulation of reticular sites and bone marrow, more of that bone marrow research and transplant. I'm fortunate I'm still on the uh, transplant board today, and it's just really a neat story. And he was sharing his vision. We had a director, Jamie Grooms, at the time that was in there, and they're sharing his vision about we're going to spin off, we're going to do all of this, and blah, 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 and start this tissue bank thing. And I'm just listening. I'm like, hey, I just need a job, man. You know, <laughs> And I don't want to lie to you guys. I'm going to be here three years, and I'm out. I'm waiting for my wife to finish, and we got plans. <laughs> you know, we're just like, we're out of here. I don't, you guys have been good to me. And um, I remember Dr. Petty, and oh, well, you know, these young men come in here all the time and say they're going to leave, and they're still here, and that kind of I'm like, look, man, you didn't offer me one. You offered me two jobs. I do not want to lie to you, man. I'm just like, hey, yeah. three years and I'm out. You know, I appreciate it. I needed this job while I'm here, you know, <laughs> and um, 
hey, you know, the vision and everything they had happened. I mean, you look at RTI Surgical, fun off out of the university, you know, created all of these uh, different funding for the university to help build a lot of the buildings on campus, the orthopedic center, part of the large cancer genetics research institute, the brain institute, part of that. You look at where those funds went around campus and it's really a good thing to really watch them push out the whole organization to really start spinning off technology a lot faster based on that happen. You know, the biggest one being Gatorade that had happened prior before us and the others there, but it was just really a neat story. And you see exact tech, you know, that the Pettys yeah. found it and right. that kind of stuff is there. And Dr. Petty was our chairman of the department that, you know, really was the key for a lot of this to happen under. And you watch the university and how it's taken off since then. But I think he's very strategic in the people he was bringing in. He knew people that were bringing in skills, assets, whatever, tenacity, whatever that he wanted and needed. People that would stick with something to make it happen. And that's really, you know, the genesis of the story that a lot of this is available to everyone. But does everyone really have that inner fortitude to do what it takes and to pay the price and willing to make it happen? And I think that's kind of what separates us because the opportunities are in this community and you'll see people do it multiple times because the opportunities are here. And then you see those who are always struggling and never seem to, to make that happen. So, so there, there, I mean, you, you hit on a lot right there, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, outside of this, you know, your story to this point, and we, and we still have more to go with your story, but just in that last kind of minute, 30 seconds, minute in mm-hmm. the petties and exact tech and RTI and how that revolved mm-hmm. back around, and the fortitude, the will to make it happen. So mm-hmm. you talked about that, but what about those who don't have that will? Right. Like what, what advice do you give them? What, and maybe it's not advice. Maybe it's, you know, what, what do they need to get, you know, to make it happen? Right. So uh, that's a great point. It's something I've looked at for years. One of the things we're really working with, with a, um, group of men in this town, we have an organization that's called Mirror Image. Yes, yes, I know of it. And part of it is we recognize that when I talk to my peers that have been successful and we all exchange, I recognize that I had people in my life that one, believed in me, two, exposed me to what I could be and achieve, and three, didn't let me settle for anything other than what I was created to be. And so I, you know, when you're in a community like ours, I find our community to be abundantly rich with almost everything that anyone would need. But in the midst of that abundance, we still have those who are fighting for food insecurity, barely getting by. They don't know how to tap in to receive what's here and then even use it to help propel themselves and even lift up others. And so I, I think it's really important for us to sometimes just stop and look at our system recognize it's broken, be thankful for all the people who are trying to make a difference, but we have to try something different at times. Right. And, you know, add it. So you don't say anything negative about those who are uh, mentoring. That's incredible. That's great. We need to have more of that, but we need to do something different from an exposure standpoint. So I'll give an example. In the first cohort, the first class that we had in mirror image, all of those kids came in and most of them were from single parents mostly moms, dad's gone in jail, whatever the deal is. And they were really identified to us and their parents through the principals at their school that could really utilize this help more than any other. The key that really, for all of them, they weren't exposed. They didn't have someone in their ear who believed in them and that would hold them accountable and make sure they moved forward. And so one of the key tenants with mirror image leadership is to make sure we expose them. So after that first summer and they got exposed to many people, I watched a significant change that I realized this was going to be transformational. All of those kids came in wanting to be football, basketball, baseball, athletic stars. Right. After one summer, they're talking accounting, attorney, physician. I mean, the whole dialogue, everything changed just from that exposure. If you ever went on one of the trips with these kids and watched their eyes, when we took them to the hospital, North Florida, it was incredible. Okay, they knew hospital, they're going to be doctors and nurses. It's kind of like what they had in their mind. They had no idea of all the different technicians, administration, support staff, chefs, cooks, everything that's in there, nutrition, everything tied to it. 
they go in there and they see they, I don't know, they probably have about four or five of these Da Vinci robots and this kind of stuff. Right. Look like they can use their games to control and do yeah. these procedures. Their eyes are just, you know, just like they're transformed. They're never going to be the same from that exposure. They can now see themselves in that setting. They see people that look like them in that setting doing these different jobs that in their world before they walked in, that they did not have a clue existed. So you take the entrepreneurial spirit. What they were exposed to was was, was athletics. And that's yeah. probably why, why that's what was on their mind. That was their biggest exposure. Now you've exposed them to the professional world. How do you how do you instill the passion, you know, and that tenacity then? Sure. You know, to, to, is that the next summer? Is that the summer uh, after? No, that? no, it, that's the beginning. And that's where the, you know, part of the schoolwork that happens. You let them know that they're created in the image and likeness of God. And they are unique. And they are created with unique gifts and talents that the world's waiting to receive. You ignite that fire so they can receive and know who they are, not waiting to become, who they've already been created. It's in them. And you just want to make sure they recognize that value and let that spirit show and shine. And with that, we're focusing on not the 12-year-old kid that came in in the seventh grade. You're focusing on the 62-year-old grandfather yeah. that have generations of change left behind him. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you've made that connection. But you're igniting that fire and who they are already. Right and letting them come to recognize and be exposed to see these desires of what resonates with them and what doesn't, you know. Mm -hmm. how, many, how many classes have you kind of seen go through so far? So this is the second, this was the second, second. summer, second cohort. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what, the exposure, kind of ignite the fire. I mean, what else are you instilling in them to be entrepreneurs? Again, we're, we're kind of talking about the grit. It is. And, so, and, you know, know that, again, the fire, the passion is all there. Actually, Carson has a, you know, I'm stealing Carson's thunder right now when it comes to the passion side of it. You know, the, the key is really, you know, the grit for them. Their job is their schoolwork day in and day out. So yeah. many of them, it wasn't cool to be good in school. Many of them prior to this, you know, where am I going to ever use this? With these exposure trips, they get to see where they're going to use it and the reasons to be successful in school. So we have an incredible individual, um, James Miller, a pastor and former minister that would help with Haven Hospice and do that kind of stuff. In right. And he's executive director and he spends time at all the schools. He knows all of their teachers with the principals and they see him in there. We're holding them accountable because that's the grit, that's the grind, that's the day-to-day. -day. So you got yeah. this passion, you want to become this. Well, there's a price you have to pay. It's not going to, you're not going to always feel like doing it, but you need to get up and do it. This is the grind. You want to be successful, you better embrace, you know, you yeah. just better, you know, embrace it, man. Hey, wrap yeah. your arms around it. This is the price you pay. You see people who are successful, guess what? They've stepped up and committed and they're doing the work when nobody else is looking. Are you willing to pay the price? You say you want to be this now. This I mean, is very relatable to the athletics, yeah. right? You know, yeah, you don't absolutely. put in the time, the effort. I mean, it's just it's exactly. a different effort. We all have gifts and talents, but the best are those who put the work in with it. And oh, here's another wait, 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 wait for Carson right here. You just yeah. opened them up, Eric. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's exactly what I'm here to say. I mean, that's what this podcast is all about. What you just articulated um, for that last couple minutes there is perfect because that's that's what it's all about. It's like, why was Michael Jordan great? Michael Jordan was great because of free throws and dribbling and passing, right? Mm -hmm. It's basics. He, he didn't do anything fancy or crazy. You know, it was basics. It was day in and day out, 4 a.m. to 4 p.m. And that's what people... It's take the glamour, you know, and the championship rings out of it and look at the grind. That's exactly what mm -hmm. I'm trying to portray as reality, as opposed to the glamorous side of it that people see on MTV, because mm -hmm. it's just not real. So that that's it. That's what I'm here. That's exactly the message I'm trying to portray. So, I mean, it sounds like the mirror image program would, would really complement mm -hmm. my message. It's exactly what well, I'm trying well, Greg to do. Greg Bradley, who runs that, is on our invite list. So, so Eric, maybe you can reach out to Greg to prompt him to sign up, but we we've sent him an invite. All right. Perfect. Hey, that, uh, 
Greg has really given this a lot of thought. And for years, he's yeah. been talking about doing it and really assembled the board and the group. And uh, let me tell you, yeah. what a gift to have in our community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So when we, we talk about that entrepreneurship, I, I'm going to I'm loving to see where the program's going to go overall. Yeah. But but in your role as you know, with the, the chamber. So not only have you been an entrepreneur, you've been yeah. a part of businesses and startups, you know, now you're helping the business community. Right. You know, what what's some advice you can give now that business person out there trying to make it work, you know, what what's something that that um and let's go to the intangibles, right? What are the intangibles needed? I I, I went to a, a course, did a little course at uh, UF, kind of guest mm-hmm. lecturer and kind of asked them what's it what's it mean to like what do you need to start up a business? And everything was tangible that they told me. Yeah. Capital, you know, connections, yeah. you need a market. I'm like, great, what are the intangibles? Right. right. Because that that's the known, that's the book. Well, what is it that we don't know? You look at it. If you have the demand, you have a market. So I tell people, and this is what I tell site selectors. We had eight of them in town this weekend. We even had the uh, Council General from Japan. And we're looking and making sure targeting for international companies along with national, building up our uh, manufacturing and industry base to complement our ads and meds. And we're doing this and we're very strategic in those type of industries we're going after to make sure we complement what's already here. But more importantly, we provide good paying jobs for many of those individuals who aren't going to go to college, you know, who are looking for career and technical type programs, stuff that we haven't really prioritized. We've done an incredible job with higher education in our state, but we've dropped the ball with career and technical education. And so for us, we're strategically looking at those companies to bring in here, pay those high wages, have those skills, take folks right out of high school and, you know, make sure that we're addressing the needs for everyone. Now with those you know, you want something that's in demand. And I tell people we're not aware. We had so much demand in our community for retail. The reason that demand was so high, it isn't because of our local community, but it was the additional 10 counties with ours. And so if we look at that, we're talking about 2 million people, you know, just under that number. If we saw what happened, one of the things I love to tell everyone, Trader Joe's came here to Gainesville before it went anywhere else in the state of Florida, before Miami, Orlando, Jacksonville, Tampa, Naples, you name it, Sarasota, anywhere, it came here. And my question was like, why did you come here? I mean, I'm glad you came here. Right, right, right. Because they understand the demand. And so we actually had people driving from Orlando to Trader Joe's with Coolidge, from Jacksonville, I mean, driving from Jacksonville to Gainesville, you know, to Trader Joe's with Coolidge. And the retailers recognized this before we did. That, right. you know, our location, our geography was critical to really tapping. And they even took it further than our 11 counties. They took all of North Central Florida and they knew we were about 4,500,000, you see? And they're yeah. coming up and down I-75 or 301 or 441. And they, so they just knew that inherent traffic. So I took that and extrapolated in terms of not just retail, but as employers, once talent became the largest factor that everyone's looking for, we have this pool. And if you look at UF Health, the VA, North Florida, our biotech, our different companies, we're hiring people from all the surrounding counties, you know? And so it's one of those kind of things. So when we look at our numbers, it's just not our county numbers that we're putting in there. We're putting in our region. You know, I was talking to a young lady from Melrose the other day, and she told me how her husband packs her lunch and Gets her up because she's got this good job in Gainesville that got their great benefit and that great salary. And right. he stays in Melrose and he works there at the local shop awesome. and picks up the kids and does all that other stuff. But he makes sure she's already take care of the <laughs> job in the city. <laughs> you know, the, the, the family appreciates that job. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, she said, there's nothing like this in our town, you know, and I totally get it. And so others are seeing that. And so I think the key is demand. And so for us, we recognize that there are industries we really needed to address that we didn't have that demand. And so if, if you know, you look at the startups from UF, you look at the RTI, the exact techs, you, you look at the, the 441 quarter building out the innovation wow. hub, you know, what, what would you tell some of those startups, you know, they need to be doing on a mental side? Sure. So the thing is, you, you need to be resilient. 
And it's funny, so I just came from Oak Hammock and talking to their leadership group over there. And they were asking some of those questions. I said, well, what people don't see is I'm in the office one night. It was like 2 a.m. And I come in and I see our director who ended up being our CEO. He's there. And then I watch our lab technician. He's coming in because he had to get those up and he's there. You know, now we've all been there during the regular part of the day. But this is the world of a startup. You do what it takes. And you show up whenever to make sure we didn't have people to throw at the problem. So we yeah. knew it was a handful of us. There were the founders said that we had to do the work, even though it had totally nothing to do with our position. If it was going to get done, it was going to be one of us. And it comes back to, are you willing to pay the price to make it happen? Everybody isn't willing. Everyone isn't willing to get up at two and get in there and make it happen. Everyone isn't willing to stay there or, you know, CEO at that time, he was there since the working business. I was still too, you know, the lab guy had come in about four hours earlier to make sure all the lab stuff was and he was there as soon as the time we went off to get him out and do the reading at the proper time. Right, right. You he went at dinner at the house, but he came back. Exactly. You do. You have, I mean, and it's funny, I caught him there as a sleeping bag. You know, I yeah, mean, it, yeah. it, this is the mentality, you know, and everyone really did it. They love that idea of being a founder. They love that all the glamour and all the stuff afterwards and the stock and all the payouts, but they don't understand or see what happens in private and what's quiet and no one else, unless you're a part of it, is experiencing. Yeah, right, that's right. perfect. <clears throat> that's that's exactly the story I'm trying to tell. So would you do it again? Oh, in a heartbeat. You know, it's, I think it's either in you or it isn't. And we have. And so I was sharing another story where we got the same group of guys, different some of the different folks from RTI, after we built it, we were starting another one. We we're using some technology from University of Florida. It was all based on old food science uh, technology back in the 60s, but they didn't have the computers and stuff to make it happen. Incredible stuff that we're doing. But you have to be careful who you partner with. Because yeah. our lead investor was this guy who was a finance company, CPA kind of thing, put in all this stuff. And we're moving. The company's growing. Everything's exciting. Next thing we know, everything, all our accounts are shut down. We don't know what's going on. Well, he's busted. He's got some operation bringing in marijuana from across the border. And oh, some no. kind of thing. And we got everything and all our stuff tied up in this thing. Now, oh, no. I knew everybody else, but I met this guy through them. And I'm right. just like, are you kidding me? So it's so important to know who you're working with. And this guy didn't need this. Yeah. You know, and so you're dealing with folks with different levels of greed and that kind of stuff. And so we had to sell it. And we sold it to this incredible group that's in um, San Antonio. And I knew all these people from back in my early days at RTI and they're in the industry. And I was trying to get them to keep that company here, but that they moved it to San Antonio with them. You know, it's that right. kind of thing, but it's all part of it. And whatever you're doing, you're still dealing with people. So you have to know the people you're working with. And I oh, said, and, and you still have a smile. Yeah. And you still have a smile on your face through all oh, that. Yeah. It was successful, you know, as a blessing, but, you know, it could have been so much more. And, but it's okay. Right. You know, you that, that had to be a gut can. punch, right? I mean, it's a total gut punch. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah it's a, it, it was a shock. And, um, and it was the biggest shock knowing that we were being followed later by, you know, these DEA guys and all this stuff for like about a year in the FBI. And we had no clue. Right, right. They're, they're trying to see if you were part of it. Right. And then they realized uh, we had no clue. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> but that's reality, though, right? I tell people you can't make this stuff up. Yeah. Right, right. It's out there, you know, just kind of like, I watch all kinds of stuff and do look, I got some real life that'll... <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But That's reality, it, though, right? It's not, it's not all butterflies and rainbows, and you just no. have to roll with the punches sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. And then you smile about it, you laugh it off, you know, and, hey, and what are you, you going to do? You go back to work. You just find something You know, it's try okay. to stay off the DEA's radar. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Little things like that. Yeah. <laughs> are you still are you still being followed? <laughs> not to my knowledge, but I mean they can because hey. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> do, do, do you check that rearview mirror every now and then? It's like, <laughs> like hey, I'm just, hey, they tailing me. They, I I would be too boring because all I do is work. <laughs> you know, there's there's nothing glamorous here. <laughs> well, you you were kind of hitting on some mantras earlier, and and you know, you the one is like what you get to do, not what you have to do. Exactly. Right, and it, it you know embrace the suck, you know. Yeah. But hey, it, it's what I get to do every day because I've got the opportunity to embrace that suck. You know, other people don't. Right. Yeah. You know? I mean, 
It's true, Matt. I mean, I get to help so many businesses in our community, especially small ones. And it's really great the number of young business folks that are coming out of UF that are in UF at the same time, that are even, you know, they're coming up with ideas and encourage them and just like, look, this is an incredible idea. Nobody else is doing this. You need to build on this and be the first to the market. There's demand for this. You know, you have to be realistic. Now, you know, somebody wants to come out with the eyelash shop and that kind of thing. I just like, you need to talk to somebody else. I just don't understand. Yeah. In my eyes, you would have no demand. Somebody in the college, they may figure there is tremendous demand, you know, and all the names right. like, hey, I can put you in touch with some folks who can help. Guide you. I just, there are things I know, but I know what I don't know. Right, That's right. What I don't know, I, you know, but if you're passionate about it and that demand's there, be prepared to stay in it. You know, there are basic business principles that are available for everyone. But, you know, it, sometimes I see some niches that are pretty unique and pretty small for our community. I'm like, that might work in New York City, but hey, you know, give it a shot. Right. We right. discourage you if that's your passion, you know. Yeah, well, and like you said, it's <clears throat> it's uh, the community, really, the, the greater Gainesville area is broader than we give it credit for it sometimes, too. Exactly. And you can mm-hmm. draw on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people recommend you, the further you niche it down, uh, the other, the flip yeah. side is the less competition you have, too. Right. That's true. That's true. It's, I mean, an exciting group that I see here are those uh, not bunt cakes, man. Those things go like hotcakes. Right. Folks are going, I was talking to a banker that's around there. He's like, man, they got a line every time I come in there. You know, it's kind of like, I'm like, well, sound like they hit on the formula. Exactly what people are looking for. Yeah, um, that demand, the niche. Yeah, yeah it's, it's uh, Halo Potato Donuts is exactly. another, one, another one like that. That is. It's a, yeah, you it's know, amazing. They're queued up. I mean, I'm in the gym at Old Dark 30 and I'm coming back. It's still dark and people are queued up. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah, well, line, you know. There's a line wrapped all the way around the building when they opened the Tower Road one. Yeah. For donuts. And it's, um, you, you know, a $4 donut. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, your $6 coffee and yeah, $6 coffee and a $4 donut. And, That's right. But you know what? They're delicious and they've got they like, a, they, they kind of made their own market. They did. They created their own. And one of the things I love when people come to town, I tell them, go to the new place on Tower Road and take a picture. They got this great mural in the back on the side and it's incredible. I'm like, go in there and take a picture in front of that mural with your Halo Donate, you know, yeah. and help market our community. So what are some of the, the successful businesses you've seen? And and I, I know you might not be in a possession. You know, we were showing or, or shouting out some names right now. What's maybe a, a thread through those successful businesses? So we we talk about the Halos. Or you talk about you know these other kind of startups in Gainesville. And, and what's the thread that makes them successful outside of demand? We heard demand. We right. just talked well, about it. I would but... say, you know, that consistency. You got to be consistent. So, you know, let's take Halo. For years, I would see them there in the dark with that little trailer, getting all set up and everything, and people could count on them being there. So that's why they would get up early and be there. They were consistent. I would go to the gym daily and they would be consistently there, you know, and people don't understand the benefits for consistency, you know, and it's just like being consistent with your work, delivering, doing whatever. That is so important. And the companies that are successful are those that are consistently delivering or dependable that people can count on and know they're going to be there. Those individuals that, you know, product, whatever. And that's so critical for people to know that, you know, I know they are going to be there. I know I can count on them. I know I can go there early in the morning and pick up a dozen donuts, take in and bless the team at the office. I know, you know, just... Yeah, yeah, basic thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting because I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And we kind of went on that little tangent there with they're, they're grinding away in the dark in a food truck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it, they, yeah. they didn't have lines wrapped around the store. Right. It mm-hmm. took years to get to the point before they had the following to then open a storefront to then have the lines. Right. And now it's at almost exponential growth point. It is. Right? They, you're right. They take that truck to Newberry Road, they take it to Archer Road, they take that little truck out there into Newberry. They would take that truck to build that following. Yeah. You know, and be there. And that's, you know, people don't recognize that. You yeah. know, that, that's a small thing. They're looking for a big wow. 
Yeah, you know, yeah, and that's right. when we talk about the grind, that's part of the grind. You know, whoever's right. got to hook up that truck and trailer and take it out there and get out there and it's dark, everybody else is asleep, getting everything right. set up. So when everyone's out and about in the morning ready, they're there. Waiting right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. I saw I saw one of their uh, job postings one time and I'm I'm pretty sure they start at one or one or two o'clock in the morning and when yeah. they start cooking. Um, and I think it's mostly college kids that they recruit, you know, so. Heck yeah. I mean, you roll from the bar to the, to the donut yeah. truck. Yeah. Hey, sleep, la- asleep later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Reverse cycle it, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's Time some, make the donuts. you know, but they're, right. they're, they're kind of filtering some tenacity there, you they know, are. and they oh, just, just the ones that apply knowing what yeah. they're getting into for that. Carson, you're right. <laughs> Interesting. It's kind of like pouring concrete. You know, I'm a concrete guy. That's two, three o'clock in the morning, too. That's right, man. Hey, that bull truck, you're up there early. Hey, you get you try to get all that concrete in before the sun's up. That's that's right. In Florida, we are at least. Yeah. Well, Well, Eric, what what are some personal antidotes, you know, from from your time? You talk about the RTI and getting in there at two in the morning, seeing the others, you know, kind of. You and I talking right now, you and I, Carson, you know, what What if we're starting up a business? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe we are. What would you tell us? Absolutely. So, you know, my biggest thing is making sure that you're committed. You're really committed to making this a success. And in that commitment, I really want to find out your passion about doing this. So are you and Carson both naturally engaged and stoked with meeting people and hearing these stories? And you receive something from it also, because in life, we can't give what we don't have. If I'm giving you something, Matt, and I also get a charge and energized and stoked about it, it just kind of helps build it. It's uh, one of those things is real funny. I heard Kobe Bryant say this thing one time, you know, he was in practicing and somebody came in from another team and they came in early to practice also. And he continued to practice all the way until that person quit. Right. And he said, you know, the person came up to him afterwards and said something like, man, why are you staying there so long? And Kobe said, because you were there. Right. And it's like he was feeding on that competitor being there and it, you know, to do even more. He's fueled by it also. So in addition to perfecting his craft and doing that in there, he was encouraged and fed on the energy this guy they're going to be playing tonight, like there's in there practicing also. In his mind, he was not going to outpractice him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so that mentality. I, exactly. This podcast that you're getting also and receiving from those who are coming on, and you're not just giving. Yeah. You know, it, it has to be reciprocal because you have to be getting fed to be sustained. And it has to be a passion where you're being energized so you can come back again. And you can come back again and you can be consistent. And because you're in a niche that you're supposed to be in and that you're created to be in, no one's going to outwork you. No one's going to be better at this than you. You're willing to pay a price that nobody else is willing to do it, to be the best, you know, and you're in your spot on what you're created to do. And, you know, look, hey, if you want to lose, we'll get into this spot. But no one's going to be better at this, you know, than Matt and Carson, because this is, you know, you're getting fed from this. You're being stoked. And at the same time, you're sharing the importance of having that tenacity. Dude, I'm stoked right now. Yeah. That, go. Was, that was really well said. So what you're, I mean, basically what you're saying is taking it from a, a passion and the next level is it's your purpose. Right. Yeah. I think that's, right. that's, yeah. that's what people don't, you can mm-hmm. be passionate about something uh, and, and still fizzle out. It's the, exactly. the perseverance phase is when it turns into your purpose. Exactly. So it's uh, funny, you know, um, one of the things I was just talking to the folks, the signature themes, these, I don't know if it's showing up. Sort of. I guess I got that funny background thing to mess with stuff. You put it right in front of your chest, it should show up. You know, these signature themes, it uh, started many years ago with a Gallup organization that did it. I forgot who it is. Somebody else does the strength finders signature themes now they bought it out from Gallup but these things let you know who you are so these are my top five strengths one I'm very strategic two I'm very focused third I'm competitive 
Fourth, I'm an activator. That means I can't wait to work, get it done, start it. And the fifth is woo, winning others over. Then I love people. And my wife could tell you, I go in a room. I'm not looking for the people I know. I'm looking for the people I've never met. And uh, and she's the opposite. She's looking only for the people she knows. Right. You know, it's that kind of stuff. And it's just our natural strengths that we created. And from that, you know, I know competition's a big deal. As a kid, my siblings could tell you, I would say it's not over till I win, whether we're playing chess, <laughs> basketball, you know, like, hey, it's not over. So I know competition is a part of me, you know, yeah. um, very strategic. And my thought process and what I do and how um, I'm very singular focused. I don't know how these folks multitask and do stuff. I know that's not a strength of mine. You right. know, my wife can do all these multiple things. I'm like, wait, honey, let me finish this. And then I'll come over here and do that with you. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing, you know. And um, as an activator, I'll be sitting in me. It's enough talking, you know, let's do, let's get some action behind all this talking. That's enough of all of this, you know. And sometimes I need to slow down and listen a little bit more instead of just running off and doing, you know. And so these are all components and you learn about yourself and then you learn about the strengths of your coworkers and other people and those around you and you understand the way they are. I was sharing with them, I said, you know, the great thing that happened with these signature themes and the strength finder is I had a, a boss that was very deliberative. And he would just take a long time going through the process and thinking and weighing. And I'm an activator. This just was not. Right. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm ready to run and go. And he's still talking and going. I'm just like, oh. Right. And as soon as I understood he was deliberative, I was fine. I knew right. it would take him a while to get there. Right. And right. I was with that mindset. Exactly. I wasn't. He's going through his process. Now, just because I've been there a few days before, stuff, I have to wait, until, you know, and then we're off. We're in it together. And, you you know, so it's just that kind of tools that help you understand how to work with others and help you even understand your blind spots. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, reminds kind of reminds me of the disc assessment with velocity mm -hmm. with the personality types. And mm -hmm. that was very enlightening for me to see like you said, your, your blind spots and you don't, you don't know what you don't know. You can use that to build a cohesive team or you can right. not use it and have a bunch of people button heads too. Cause like I had some yeah. specific clients that I used to really butt heads with and it's because we were the same personality type and yeah. okay. no, you know, no one could win. <laughs> yeah. So if you, if you don't know those things about yourself, then you can't yeah. pivot or audible. So that's really interesting. I hadn't heard of that one, but I'm going to look that up. That's that sounds helpful. I think today it's called Clifton Strength Finders. So so we asked like that that personal side of it. So you know here here it is. Now you're in your chamber seat, and let's yes. say this podcast gets out there, or yeah. you have the opportunity to send the podcast out to to a business sure. and say, hey, why why would you want to come to Gainesville and be and start up a business in Gainesville? You know what are the things that that you would tell that business coming here? you know, to be part of this community and, and the things that they should be doing to, to be successful? Absolutely. So to me, that's a really easy question because we have some incredible amenities here in this community. And I just tell them, you know, for me, I know I've become very partial to university towns because we get a lot of the big town amenities with the small town environment. And uh, to me, that's uh, really important because our community is really close and a business coming here, we can pivot in ways that large communities can't. So I'll give you an example. Uh, we had a manufacturing group that was here. We were able to put them in the room with folks from University of Florida. We could put them with Santa Fe, the uh, career source. You know, we can also put them in there with utility company, you know, CSX Railroad. Different kinds of stuff. We're small enough to be able to reach and bring all the key players that are critical to this business to show how we can work together and help make sure this is the proper environment for them. Now they go around the rest of the world. They don't get that. Yeah. You yeah. know, but we're savvy enough to know the importance of making that happen and bring those individuals together. Um, but we're small enough where it's not a big lift for us to do. Right. So, right. you know, that's one of the unique components. Another would be, our placement in North Central Florida. So an example, right now, we're having a huge migration into our state. 
Pre-pandemic, we were talking about uh, maybe a thousand people per day net moving into our state. I think since the pandemic, we've seen that increase. It's probably close to 1,200, you know, and the places they're coming from top five are New York, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois. Now, they're not coming to Gainesville in the north central Florida region. They're going more into South Florida. So wonderful. Right. But our growth is coming from South Florida. The folks in South Florida right. are coming up here. <laughs> You know, southeast and southwest. And we're also seeing a lot from Atlanta, which is really weird. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's um, it's exciting to see this stuff happen. And we've had some companies acquire companies from Georgia that are here. And they're talking about making their second headquarters here because so many of their employees are trying to get to Florida. And awesome. that's in the location here. And um, it's just really a neat process to see happening in our community. Another component is... When we talked to the manufacturers, probably the last four that came in the last six months, they wanted to come here because the Southeast is the fastest growing region for their customers. So okay. their business is growing. So they may have started in Pennsylvania, expanded and moved in the Midwest to Ohio, that kind of stuff. But now they're seeing the Southeast is their fastest growing and Florida is the fastest area in the Southeast. So they're looking for a strategic area to really build their plant and to grow and move it. And also a lot of their employees and their talent wants to move to Florida. Right. So it's a combination. And so when you look at I-75 and I-10, and, they get yeah. products up and down north, south, east, and west based on here, have that presence because they were having customers that were really, one of them, another one was telling me, having challenges waiting on their product to come all the way from the northeast. Right. And their largest customer base is here and growing. And so we're watching those strategic moves. Uh, another conversation would really be tied to that we have a very strong agricultural history yeah. in this area. And so if we go back to the 1800s, um, <clears throat> Gainesville was probably the fourth largest city in Florida at that time. Well, it was because of all the railways. Yeah. And so with CSX and those different ones coming through here, a lot of these companies are trying to be near different freight and rail lines. And we have them crisscrossing through our county. That makes it a great opportunity. And we have sites for development that are right on those rail spurs, which are real another benefit, you know, from a um, manufacturing or larger group wanting to come here. Then uh, it's just we take our climate. Our climate's incredible. Yeah. And our natural environment, our springs, our prairies, our parks, you're watching people come every day. You know, my sister comes down here to visit the shows at the Performing Arts because she can't get into them in the Kennedy Center. She lives up wow. in Alexandria, Virginia, and she can't. And but when they're coming here, I said, look, hey, you come I'll buy you the ticket. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, Same traveling troop. It's, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, there you look at what's happening in a buzz and every weekend there's something going on here. If it's not the University of Florida at a graduation or some kind of thing, it's athletics, it's Gator Nationals, it's our high school athletics. We're real excited about the new convention center. Yeah. Not convention center, but sports arena. Yeah. New sports arena that's a celebration point that's going to be used for all types of events. So it's just a great community. And the best part is the people. Yeah. You know, you get here, the people in the South, I think, are just some of the warmest and best people and just creates a wonderful climate. And it's what a lot of people are looking for, especially after they've been cooped up in the pandemic in different parts of the country this year. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you make a great point that a lot of entrepreneurial people maybe glance over or don't think about, but the balance of having other stuff to do, the climate's mm -hmm. enjoyable, you know, mm -hmm. go outside, get some vitamin D, mm -hmm. right? Take your family out and and you, you might have to grind until two o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. tonight, but you know yeah. what? I'm going to sleep in and then me and my family, we're going to go to the park and go to lunch, right? And exactly. kind of get that balance on the backside. And we hadn't even touched on the tax base. Well, we're, we're coming up on an hour here and um, we usually like to do a little recap of, of what we've heard. And obviously it's a kind of our perspective listening to you. So at the end of this, if you want to chime in anything else, but it was, you know, Eric, it was great to hear about your story. And, and you, you talk about being that entrepreneurial spirit and kind of the pivots that you made early in your life, you know, and mm -hmm. realizing like, hey, I want to be married and I love my wife. So therefore, you know, maybe this profession as a priest really isn't for me. Um, but to me, you know, you, you, you take that education in theology and then all of a sudden you're working for IBM. But you didn't look at that and say no. Right. You said, man, opportunities knock and I'm opening that door. And 
I'm not sure where it's going to go yet, but I'm mm-hmm. sure that finance education you got at IBM helped you through your times at RTI and all the way through. I used it every day. Yeah, absolutely. But then you reinvested in yourself and your education and got into that biotech and saw an opportunity there, um, jumped on it. And and then sitting there at J&J kind of going, hey, I'm going to be selfless. My wife's dream mm-hmm. is to be a dentist. Yeah. And you have a spot for us and I'm going to give this up and mm-hmm. let her pursue her passion and her dream because that's okay because we're a team. Yeah. You know, and that was awesome to, to kind of hear that. But and, and look where it's landed you. Right. You know, landed you at, at UF meeting some great people and that entrepreneurial spirit, starting a company, you know, starting another company, being mm-hmm. president, CEO of Chamber, just amazing, yeah. you know, uh, where it's led you. And and so kind of having that perseverance, the foresight, the uh, willingness to take on opportunities mm-hmm. and kind of going, no, that's not really what I thought I was going to do. But, dude, it's staring you in the face. Embrace mm-hmm. it. And, and you did. I think. You know, all that is awesome. The the mirror image and then giving that back, you know, mm-hmm. not only as part of the chamber, giving it back to the community, but also to the youth and, and with mirror image and giving that back and being part of that team and and really just showing them like, hey, you can do it. Mm-hmm. You can you know, we believe in you. We're going to expose you to those opportunities. And guess what? We're not going to let you settle. We're going to hold you accountable. And I think that's awesome all the way through um, the passion, the demand, the uh, consistency, uh, all of that. Uh, Eric, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm psyched. This was great. I love talking to you and, and getting to know you at this level. I mean, we've known each other for years, but we've never really talked like this and I'm, I'm loving it. It's been my pleasure, Matt. Absolutely. Yeah, Carson, anything to wrap us up? <laughs> no, I just wanted to say thanks. Also, I think, uh, man, it was almost that your, your whole spiel about, um, Per- perseverance i mean it was almost like it was rehearsed it's like verbatim a, a lot of the things that i've said in some maybe some previous episodes that okay. you know will it'll start sounding very similar but it was like it was just perfect it was the message that i'm exactly what i'm trying to to drive home i mean you knocked it out of the park without even knowing you were doing it so it just worked out perfect well thank you both for inviting me on here this was a pleasure and carson to meet you and catch up and chat. And um, hey, there's no secret formula, man. You just got to get out there and grind. And I mean, the sooner <laughs> That's a secret can... to some, Eric. That That's is. right. <laughs> it is a secret to some. It's just like, hey, just jump in and give it your all and Keep don't fighting, stop until you win. Yeah, it's yeah. not over till you win. It's just kind of like, hey. You know, I, some of these I like to close out with uh, a question, kind of a philosophical question. What does grit mean to you? But I think you just answered it. Yeah. <laughs> the daily grind, man. It's just yeah. jumping in and having that and doing your best. And it's amazing what'll happen. It's not over until I win. That's it. Yeah. I like that. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's just uh, excellent. awesome. All right. Well, thank you again, Eric. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. All right. Have a, good one. Have a great day, guys. You Thanks. Too. All right. You too.